Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Right, this morning we're going to be continuing our series looking at life groups. I hope that we've had some discussions off the back of this series, that these discussions have been helpful and we're starting to get excited about community, about our communities that we call life groups. And we're starting to think about what these groups may look like and vision how they may look in the future. If you are not part of a life group yet after these three weeks, then if you'd like to be, please do speak to Debbie after the service this morning. She'll be in her usual place and she'll be so ready to speak to you and take some details and we'll sort out a life group for you. Also, if you have signed up for one in the last few weeks and you're thinking, I haven't heard anything back yet, it's because we're waiting for the end of this series when we've got a group of people that are looking for a life group and then we're going to sort out together what those groups should look like and who's going to be in what group. So don't worry, we will be in contact in the next few weeks if you have signed up for a life group. I'm hoping that in our life groups, those that have been doing life groups over the last few weeks, we've had some really helpful and good conversations about what our life groups look like, what we're good at in our life groups, what we do well, what we can look for in the future, what we can vision to be. I just hope that we're having these conversations and that these conversations are exciting for all of us that are a part of a group. It's a great opportunity right now, whilst we're doing this series, it's a great opportunity for us to press in to community, to chat together about the great things about our groups, to chat together about our communities, and to chat about how we can grow in our communities. So there's my little start talking about this plug of joining a live group. If you haven't joined a live group and you'd like to, speak to Debbie after this morning. In case you haven't been around for the last few weeks, we've been, as we've looked at these live groups, we've established five key characteristics of our life groups. It's not working here. Great. Oh, nightmare. I didn't even give my slides. The five life groups that... No, I don't have it with me, no. The five... (laughs) My bad. My bad. I hope everyone's got their Bibles on them. That's all I'm going to say. Um... We've been looking at the five key characteristics of life groups. Community, growth, encouragement, vulnerability, and worship. And they have been on the screen long enough that we should all know that. (laughs) Anyway, each week we've looked together at one of these characteristics, asking the question, why is it important? How is it modelled? And how can we cultivate these characteristics, both in our daily lives and within our life group communities? 
And this morning, we're, we're going to look at the fourth characteristic that we had on the screens, and that is vulnerability. So what a day to talk about vulnerability. <laughs> what a day to talk about vulnerability. I recognize that this morning, as I talk about vulnerability, even the words make some of us kind of squirm in our chairs. To talk about vulnerability for a proportion of us in this room will feel very uncomfortable. And not only is the idea of vulnerability scary to us, I also want to recognize that it can also be a bit of a fluffy topic, a topic that we talk about in, without any substance, a way that we talk about something without really looking together at the difficulties of being vulnerable. And I think it's also a bit of a buzzword in Christian circles. We talk about vulnerability often without recognising the fact that vulnerability is extremely difficult. And that it takes a massive amount of courage. To be vulnerable goes hand in hand with being courageous. Those two things come together and it is so difficult sometimes to show our vulnerable side to people. And this morning we're going to be looking at what vulnerability looks like, how Jesus models vulnerability, and why is it important for us as church, as community, to be vulnerable. And then, of course, we're going to look together at how we can do that, give some practical ways, some steps into how we can be vulnerable with others. Before we look at Jesus's modelling of vulnerability, I thought it would be helpful to establish what we might mean by vulnerability. And I guess why it's difficult, why it may be something that's difficult. Uh, The word vulnerability actually comes from a Latin word, vulnus, which means wound. And this is because to be vulnerable is to open yourself up to the risk of being hurt or being wounded. Vulnerability is the act of exposing yourself to the possibility of being wounded. A boxer may become vulnerable when they lower their hands and therefore allow the opportunity for the opponent to punch them in the face. But this morning, we're not going to be talking about this physical vulnerability, but emotional and social vulnerability. What does it look like for us to be emotionally and socially vulnerable? And I guess what we mean by vulnerability emotionally and socially is the act of opening up to other people, of exposing ourselves in front of other people, exposing our emotions socially in this way. It's a deliberate act of letting down your guard or your walls, emotionally, if you like, lowering your hands and letting others to see your face. 
letting others to see us in our fullness, the good and the bad. And as I said, there is a risk to it. There's a possibility always of being hurt when we lower our guard. But as the author and professor Brené Brown says, staying vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. Staying vulnerable, she says, is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. At the moment in youth on a Sunday morning, we are watching together the first series of The Chosen. Has anyone seen The Chosen before? Oh, loads of people. Unbelievable. Well, The Chosen, if you don't know, is a series that follows the biblical narrative about Jesus's life and ministry. And a couple of weeks ago, we watched an episode where Jesus sits down with a group of children. And in this episode, there's a lovely moment. And this moment comes where the children are sat around Jesus's feet and they're asking him all kinds of questions. Questions about who he is, questions about God, questions about life. And one of the children turns to Jesus and says, Rabbi Josiah says that the Messiah will be a military leader. And as I was watching this, I have one of those moments, you know when you know something, but you hear it again, you're reminded of something, and you suddenly think you have a bit of a light bulb moment. You remember a truth. A truth is remembered in this moment. And I needed reminding of this truth. And it was this. Jesus was nothing like the person that the Jews expected him to be. Jesus was nothing like the person that he was expected to be. This boy is told by the rabbis, the Messiah is going to be a military leader. And he sees Jesus, who doesn't seem to be that at all. They had a picture of this military leader, a man who would give these black and white answers, the final answer to every question that they ever had. An independent man that would be so strong and stern that he would lead the Jews into battle, that they would conquer other nations. A fighter and a figurehead. But instead, the Messiah came not as a military leader, but instead choosing vulnerability rather than choosing to be untouchable. So Jesus came choosing to be vulnerable rather than untouchable. And we see this even in the way he entered the world, being born as a baby, reliant on his mother Mary, Jesus was vulnerable. In being Jesus, in being human, he stepped into vulnerability. But not only this, not only in coming to earth is he vulnerable, but he modelled vulnerability throughout his life. 
As we mentioned a few weeks ago, Jesus chose to do life alongside others. He chose to do life and he chose to do ministry alongside people. He invited them to join him, to travel with him and to do uh, his mission alongside him. And we read throughout the Bible that within this community, within the community that Jesus builds, he starts to share his thoughts and his emotions. He starts to share those slightly awkward moments with those around him. And one of the most obvious moments of vulnerability that Jesus shows was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is found in Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 36. If you do have your Bibles, it's not going to be on the screens behind me. If you do have the Bi- your Bibles then, or Bible app on your phone, then why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 14, and it's at the end, it's verses 32 to 36. I am obviously going to read it out, and it's only four verses, so don't worry too much if you don't. And I'm going to read this passage in a moment, but whilst you're finding it on your phones or Bibles, let me just give you a little bit of context for the passage for those that might not know. So this passage, the where Jesus goes into Gethsemane, comes at the end of a really long and seemingly draining day. Jesus has just had the last supper, his final dinner, if you like, with his disciples, with his community. And in this, he tells the disciples, one of you, one of you are going to betray me. One of you are going to betray me. And then Jesus takes them to the Mount of Olives. And on this journey, on the way to the Mount of Olives, he has a conversation with Peter and says to Peter, you are going to deny me three times. He's had a few really difficult conversations, some emotional conversations, this moment with the Last Supper where he says to his disciples that one of them are going to betray him. And he talks of what is to come. And then this moment with Peter where he says, you're going to deny me three times. And finally, they arrive at a place called Gethsemane. Where Jesus, knowing that he was about to be arrested in a matter of hours. Knowing that he was staring in the face, execution on a cross. Jesus decided that he's going to need some time to pray, to prepare, and to mourn. For what was about to happen, Jesus needed to prepare himself in prayer. So let's read Mark Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 36. It says this. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed 
that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not, my, not what I will, but what yours be done. So in this passage, we read of Jesus in his lowest ever point. A scared, upset, and distressed Jesus. And his response in this moment is, I'm going to take to God my emotion, to pour it out and lay it down at his feet. And clearly, this is a great model for how to respond in moments of crisis, to go before God. And I think in reality, if we were reading this passage and we read that Jesus left his uh, disciples back at the place of the Last Supper and went on his own to Garden of Gethsemane to have this time of prayer and to grieve, then we would totally understand why he did this. If we read that Jesus wanted to hide this moment of weakness, if you like, his emotions, his fear and his distress from his community, then I think we wouldn't bat an eyelid at that. But instead, Jesus asks Peter, James and John, come with me and share this moment alongside me. In Jesus's darkest moment, he says to Peter, James and John, come and share in this moment with me. And the passage says Jesus began to become deeply distressed and troubled. Jesus turns to his community and says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Not only in this moment did Jesus allow his community proximity proximity to him in his moment of sorrow, but he also gave permission for them to journey his grief alongside them. He shares how he is feeling. He shares his emotions with them and asks them, stay here and keep watch over me. In other words, look after me whilst I go and pray. Jesus was willing for others to see his perceived weakness. Jesus was willing to share a bit of himself, to share that bit of his sorrow, his distress with others. It can be so easy to keep a brave face until we're alone to hide our emotions, to keep our guard up and keep others at distance. But in Jesus's invitation in this moment, he offers proximity to Peter, James and John. He allows his friends to journey their emotions alongside him. He understands that not only is he going through this really difficult time, but actually they are as well. 
Because what's happening for Jesus is also affecting these others. He's recognizing these two things. He's allowing them proximity to come and join him in this moment. And he's giving them the opportunity to offer support to him. And through doing this, he builds stronger bonds with them. When I reflect on the vulnerability of Jesus, I'm blown away because for me, if there was ever anyone who didn't need to show any vulnerability, it was Jesus. Jesus was the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Son of God, the eagerly anticipated and awaited one. That they had a picture of him being this military leader, showing no vulnerability in the slightest. Yet, even though the Jewish rabbis in the time were expected to give certainty, show little emotion and lead from high authority... He chose instead vulnerability and he chose to lead from a place of authenticity. He chose to involve others in his life and in his mission. I don't know about you, but often I feel safer alone when I can control all the variables around me. We can feel safer alone, not involving people in our faith or not asking questions to others or sharing doubts with others, acting as if everything is sorted. Because when we're alone, we can have our guard up. We're not vulnerable for that punch in the face. And if we don't share our doubts or our questions, then people are going to think that we're strong. I'll give this image of being someone so certain that I have no doubts and I have no questions. If we lead from a place of high authority and low vulnerability, we're perceived to be in control. And for years, the trend for business leaders, church leaders, community group leaders, parents, anyone in leadership positions, the trend was to exude authority, to show authority. And to achieve this, the approach has been often hide any questions that I might have, any self-doubts, any emotions, any struggles, hide any imposter syndrome. And you only really need to cast your eyes onto the politics in this country to see how this approach of leadership is becoming less and less attractive. And instead, there's a real hunger for authenticity, for honesty, and for vulnerability, both in leadership, but also in our relationships with each other. And this is what Jesus was modeling. Jesus was modeling this authenticity, honesty, and vulnerability. And I really believe that as Christians, we should be, Christians should be the people 
who model vulnerability to everyone else. We should be leading the way in authenticity and vulnerability, in sharing with others our ups and our downs and our questions and our doubts. And for me, there's two reasons why I really think that we need to lead the way in this. Firstly, because we are taught in the Bible by the life of Jesus and within Paul's letters that our weakness, our weaknesses are something to be embraced, even boasted about, Paul says. In 2 Corinthians 12, we read of Paul talking uh, about what is known as his thorn in his side, maybe a weakness that he had or a difficult in, uh, experience that he endured and that had maybe tormented him throughout his life. Whatever it was, Paul talks about pleading to God to take this away from him. And it says this in the passage, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. As Paul talks about his own weaknesses, he says, when I am weak, then I have an opportunity to lean on God. And Paul even finishes with that paradoxical statement, when I'm weak, then I am strong. The Bible calls us not to see our struggles, our hurts, our questions, our gaps and our weaknesses as a bad thing, as a weakness of character. But instead to see these things as an opportunity for God to move. It teaches us, do not be ashamed of these things. Do not hide it or keep it to yourself, but instead boast about your weaknesses. The first reason that we as Christians should be leading in vulnerability is because the Bible says that weaknesses are strength that his power is made perfect in our weakness. The second reason that I think that we should be leading in vulnerability is the Bible gives us a model of how in vulnerability we lean on one another. The Bible talks about us followers of Jesus as the body of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul starts to explain this metaphor. He says this, There is one body, but it has many parts. But all his parts make up one body. It's the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of one part. It has many parts. And then skipping on in the passage, it says, in that way, the parts of the body will not take sides will not take sides all of them will take care of one another if one suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part shares in its joy you are the body of christ each one of you is a part of it 
In this passage, Paul explains how we each make up a different part of the body. We each have different strengths and different weaknesses. And just like how a hand can pick things up but cannot see, and an eye can see but cannot pick things up unless you're Matilda, each of us bring something different to the body of Christ. Our strengths are not all the same and our weaknesses are not all the same. But we're called to work together and each play our part and our role in order that the body can function properly. And I love how in, this, in uh, part of this passage, it says that each of them will take care of one another. See, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be alongside each other. That your strengths can fill in for my weaknesses. And my weaknesses uh, and my strengths will fill in for your weaknesses. And equally, we're, we're called to help each other out in that. One of the reasons we're called to live within community, to do life in community, to do life together, is because when we live in community, we are prepared and we are ready to support one another, to look after each other in the hard times and support each other and celebrate in the good times. But this is only possible when we have proximity. This is only possible when we know what is happening in each other's lives, when we're humble enough to accept help and support from other people. And when we can build a culture of that, communities begin to thrive. When we accept that together we are stronger, communities grow and communities thrive. And I just want to really quickly give three very practical things that I think we can learn from Jesus's vulnerability that we can put into practice in being more open and vulnerable with others. Firstly, the first lesson of Jesus is invite community into your life. Jesus allowed people to journey with him, to do life alongside him. They got to see a happy Jesus, a sad Jesus, a tired Jesus, and a frustrated Jesus. He was close enough in proximity to share things that were happening with them. So what can we do to invite people into community in our lives? Well, I don't want to sound like a a broken record this morning, but be bold and join community. Build community. If you're not part of a life group, I implore you to join a life group. But don't stop there. Being a part of a life group is not ticking the box of community. Build community within that life group. Being in a life group, uh, building community within a life group is not simply about attending an event fortnightly but putting into place some of those things that we've been talking about over these last few weeks, being proactive in our relationships, even if that's just a little text every day saying, how are you doing? How was your exam today? Or whatever is going on. 
or an occasional catch-up over a coffee. The second uh, practical thing from Jesus' vulnerability is share lows as well as highs. We looked this morning at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, sharing his most difficult moment with his friends, with his community. Jesus was not afraid of showing these down moments with his friends, of sharing his emotions and his difficulties with others. So it's easy often for us to keep to ourselves our lows because we don't want to burden anyone else with them. We feel like if, if, if I say these lows, I'm just going to be a bit of a downer on them. I'm going to just be burdening them with these things. But God has given us community as a gift, the body of Christ, to look after each other and to support one another. So share your lows as well as your highs. And finally, have an inner circle that you trust. I don't know if you noticed, but when Jesus went to Gethsemane, he brought the disciples with him, all of the disciples, and he brought them all along to a point. He allowed them to come and to join him, and then he asked them, wait where you are. And then he asked Peter, James, and John, he said to Peter, James, and John, come further with me. He asked Peter, James, and John to come into this most intimate moment of grief alongside him. With his community, Jesus shared his life. He invited them to join him in a place of struggle. He invited them to journey alongside him, and he even pointed them, I'm going here to pray and to grieve. So the community were involved in this moment. They were all a part of the journey with Jesus. They all went alongside Jesus in this moment. But then Jesus had these few people. He had these few people that were closest with him, that he trusted, that he chose to allow them access into his most vulnerable place who he invited to stand alongside him in his grief. Our life groups are a great place to share and to be vulnerable. But there's something special also about building those few friends, those foundation of a couple of friends alongside us, where you know each other inside and out. Where the intimacy of your conversations outstretches that of the slightly more public life group setting, with proximity even closer than that of our life groups. And you might be thinking, but I don't have that. I don't have those people to do that with. How do I find people like that to do these vulnerable moments alongside? Well, let me suggest that one of the best ways is to invest in the people in your life group. Be willing to share within your life group, to build trust. Trust takes time. To build trust in the relationships of the people that you have and to invest in other people, ask questions about their life and invest in them. From this place, we will start to form friendships built on love and trust, which is exactly what's needed for vulnerable friendship. So this morning, I hope you feel challenge to be vulnerable 
to choose vulnerability with your community, to choose to allow people in and to let down your guard, to share your lows as well as your highs, to tell your story, to open yourself up, even if it puts you at risk. And I'm, I'm going to ask the band, will you, will you guys come back up, just to lead us in a time of worship and reflection. And as we sing, I'd love it if we could reflect on this question. What steps could I take to choose vulnerability with those around me? What steps could I take, maybe this week, to choose vulnerability with those around me? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship together. God, thank you that Jesus modelled vulnerability. Lord, we recognise that to be vulnerable is such a hard place to be. To share the difficult things in our lives can be so difficult, so scary. Lord, will you give us the courage this morning to take a small step towards vulnerability? That our communities may thrive as we work together as one body. So Jesus, as we worship together, will you speak to us, to each one of us, about a small step towards vulnerability that we can take? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.